What is off the groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack. Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. No races to recap or preview, but we'll be back out there slinging dirt before you know it up in Minnesota. I'm headed to Viola, Wisconsin for SNS's 60th anniversary party, Rumble at the Ranch, this Sunday. They've apparently built a badass track out in a field next to the SNS headquarters and will be throwing a huge party for employees and flat track fans. We have a lot of interesting new segments we're working on, one we'd like to debut next week, but we'll need your help. Since last December, we've been putting out a new episode every Friday, introducing you to a new member of the Flat Track family each week, recapping events and previewing the next. We've talked about the highs and lows, the triumphs and struggles. We've given a platform to the series, now we're extending that platform to you, the fans. Get a pen, get some paper, and write this phone number down, 904-395-5956. That's 904-395-5956. We've set up a call-in line where you can voice your opinions. Each week, we'll give you a topic, then it's up to you to tell us how you feel. You say it, we'll play it. This week's topic has been a hot one since the Williams Grove event, Lewis versus Coolbeth. It's been a while since we had a scuffle in the pit area, but these two definitely went at it in the Keystone State. If you were there, you saw it firsthand. If you weren't, you'll get to see it when the air shows this weekend with back-to-back days of flat track racing on NBCSN. Saturday at 2.30 p.m., it's the short track and mile events from Springfield during Labor Day weekend. Then on Sunday, starting at 5 p.m. Eastern, riders go toe-to-toe on and off the track during the Williams Grove Half Mile event. Give us a call and let us know what you think about the 10 and the 2 going at it. Do you think it was a racing deal? Do you think Coolbeth was justified in his actions? How do you feel about the penalties handed down from AMA Pro Racing? How do you feel about that right hook? Don't just post funny memes to social media. Call in and tell us your thoughts. 904 395 5956. You have an opinion, we're giving you a platform to voice it. If there's one thing you can be sure of, it's the fact that you won't see this week's guests getting into any fights in the pit area. They're two of the nicest, most passionate people you'll meet in or outside the racetrack. A couple people that are just great for the soul Gary and Kelly Kinsler. This is Lightshoe. How can I help you go faster? I need a size 11.5, and I need it tomorrow. Um, If that's an Alpine Star Tech 7, we can do that. There you go. I love it. How you doing, Gary? It's good to hear from you. This is Scotty Dubler. Hey, Scotty. We're doing good here. It's good to hear your voice, too, man. Good to hear from you, Kelly. Are you on the phone as well? I am here. I'm listening in. All right. Well, it's good to have you both on Off the Groove. Uh, Let's just jump right into it and get to know the people behind Lightshoe. Gary, where were you born? Well, I was born in Lawrence, Kansas, and uh, in uh, um, what year was that? 1962. Okay. How'd you end up in Sturgis? My mom's family, a lot of her family lived right here in Sturgis, and I remember as a kid always coming up here on vacations and spending our, our summer vacations up here, going to the lakes and camping and stuff like that, and they finally got tired of making that trip all the time, so we just moved up here the day of the big flood. They had a big flood in 1972, and we moved into a basement apartment that day, and it's like, welcome to South Dakota, and we got flooded out that night, so it was out of the U-Haul that morning and back into it that night. It was ridiculous. Wow, I remember that flood. I guess that's the same year I was born, but I remember Rice Honda. Uh, Rice was a friend of my grandparents, and I just remember seeing a lot of pictures and a lot of story about all that flooding. I just couldn't believe that happened in Rapid City. 
Yeah, man, it was a huge disaster. There weren't any lives lost here in Sturgis, but uh, it was a mess. I just remember, I just remember, we had like 18 to 20 inches of water in, inside our house, and just everything that we owned basically was just ruined and had to throw it away. And and uh, yeah, it was it was a huge disaster. Besides all the lives that were lost in Rapid City, you know, it just uh, it was a mess, big time. Wow, that's crazy. Kelly, were you born in South Dakota? I was, yeah. I was born in Rapid City and uh, grew up on a little little ranch up in the northern part of South Dakota, up in Harding County. Okay. And so you guys live in Sturgis right now? Or are you outside of Sturgis, or where whereabouts are you? Right now we, we live, live in right Sturgis. in Sturgis. Yeah, yeah. We're working on. I I got my parents' place up in Boulder Canyon, halfway between Sturgis and and Deadwood, and we're working on a, an addition mm-hmm. on there, and that's where my shop is at, where we build the hot shoes and stuff. And so hopefully before the snow flies, we'll get to move up there and make that our permanent residence, and then we'll be outside of town for a change. I gotcha. Yay. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, Kelly said, yay. Yeah. So, 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 Kelly, what did you do before you met Gary? Oh, gosh. I rode my motorcycle. Um, <laughs> I don't get to do that much anymore because he keeps me awful busy. But, uh, yeah, I just worked worked just different jobs. And uh, um, wrote, I raised my son, um, was divorced and raised my son uh, until – he was, I don't know, Gary, how old were the kids when we got together? Uh, third grade, maybe? Yeah, I think somewhere in there, yeah. Yeah, so I just kind of hung out, did my thing, worked. I worked, used to work at a bank and uh, a finance company, a loan servicing company, and yeah, just kind of did my little garden and did my thing. So, Kelly, how did you start you know, riding motorcycles? How did you get involved in motorcycling? Um, I used to hang around with and still have a really close friend that uh, uh, took the motorcycle safety course, and she talked me into doing that. And as soon as we we did, we knew we had to have our own motorcycles. We were tired of riding on the back with other people. So we just went out and bought ourselves a motorcycle, each of us. And, uh, see, I took the safety course in May. I don't even even remember what year it was, but anyway, it's been quite a while. And uh, in July, we took a 500-mile motorcycle trip to a little rally up in Red Lodge, Montana. It was a blast. We felt like Thelma and Louise, except we didn't drive (laughs) off the cliff, you know? Oh, that's good. That's good. That sounds like a heck of a good time. So do you just ride (laughs) on the street, or have you tried dirt bikes at all? You know, I really haven't done any dirt tracking at all. I'm pretty much just a street rider. Not that it wouldn't be fun to try. You know, when you watch those guys just pitching it sideways, it looks like it would be a blast. Maybe someday. Right on. Don't ever give up on it. You know, you you might have the opportunity. You might get the itch. You might want to try it. So, Gary, how how did you get into motorcycling? When did you first ride a motorcycle? Uh, It must have been about... um probably the same summer that we moved up here my uncle uh my mom's brother little brother he used to race motorcycles and that's basically how i got involved with with motorcycles and he took me down to the city park and he had a little yamaha uh, 80 i think it was and he put me on it and that was my very first motorcycle ride and i was hooked after that you know and and he was my idol and him and uh, his buddy Dwayne, they uh, they raced here in Sturgis at the short track, and they did some traveling and stuff like that. And that's uh, that's that's who got me hooked. And my dad, he had a street bike, and so we were always kind of hanging out with Uncle Steve. And 
and uh, going to the racetrack here in Sturgis. Well, Gary, did you ever race yourself? I went out and messed around a little bit. You know, I I I, I found myself divorced and uh, really struggling with it one day, and I was standing in front of the lathe just gawking out the window, you know, almost waiting to get hurt, you know, and it's like it, then it, it hit me. I need to go race motorcycle. You know, I, I had my kids by that time, and they were racing, and it's like I need to do something. This is stupid. So I had talked to a guy that I knew that I built hot shoes for and asked him if I could borrow his motorcycle, and he said, yeah, sure. So I went out there and raced a couple times, and you know, but uh, I had both Zach and Michael were racing, and uh, we went to the races a couple different times where all three of us raced, and, man, it was just too stressful for me. I couldn't handle it. So I was like, okay, you guys do it, you know, and, Usually whenever I raced, I broke something, and it wasn't the motorcycle. It was a limb or appendage or something, you know, and so I kind of <laughs> <laughs> I realized early on, this probably isn't for me. I don't, you know, I don't make very good decisions, obviously, so let those guys do it, and I just kind of backed off and rode around a little bit. So how long did the kids race flat track? Oh, man, they both started riding motorcycles when they were four and uh, pretty much on the track that same year, and then, they kind of dwindled off as, you know, as, as I quit paying for their race programs when they were in their, oh, Michael, he was probably 19 when he kind of quit, and Zach, he was a little bit older than that. He he'd kind of went off on his own a little bit, and he did some road racing down in Colorado and uh, had a lot of help down there. But, uh, you know, as things dried up, they, they kind of quit. So uh, neither one of them are racing right now. I didn't even, they don't even own any motorcycles, I don't think. So. Wow. That's interesting. So which one of you want to tell us the story of when Gary met Kelly? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) We might come up with opposing versions of the story. It might not come out. All right. So here, here we go. See, it was about a month before I met Kelly. We were down in Colorado at the uh, uh, racing at IMI down there for the state championship. It was their last race, and we all went down there early, rode with some friends, and we all had our motorcycles. And if you've ever been to IMI, you know it's kind of a free-for-all. They have a whole bunch of tracks down there, and you can ride all over the place and just have a blast. And we were out there riding, and we were on this motocross track, and I was out riding with my buddy, and... Uh, I hit this jump, and this jump just sent me sailing. And I went up, I went over the bars, and the bike landed on me, and I broke a collarbone, bruised some ribs, and hurt my foot, and just did all kinds of stuff. Went, landed in the hospital, and came home, you know. And and uh, I'd healed up for about a month or so, and my youngest son was with me, Michael. He was with me at that time and that night, and he was just bored. He said, "Dad, we've got to go do something. We just got to go do something." He says, "Let's go to the community center and play racquetball." Because before I got hurt, it's like I was really into racquetball, really loved playing. It's like, well, okay, he was just bugging me to death. So it's like we went down there and we played racquetball. And you ever try to play racquetball with a broken collarbone? If you have, you know, it's not a good idea. But <laughs> no. So that's what we were doing. And, I, and um, there was a couple kids down there, and Michael knew them. And uh, so it's like, okay, this is my out. So I went out and, and said, hey, you guys want to go in and, and bang around with the ball there for a little bit? And he goes, yeah, sure. And I walked by to go get another racket and looked in the weight room, and there was this good-looking lady in there lifting weights. And I just prayed right there on the spot. It's like, God, why can't I just ever meet somebody like that? And I went up, and I got another racket, and I went back, and I was watching these guys play racquetball. And pretty soon, this good-looking lady comes out of the weight room, and she's looking around like she's looking for somebody, and she comes down towards me and looks in there. She goes, hey, have you seen a couple little kids? And I said, yeah, they're in the court playing racquetball. And uh, 
I had her phone number before the end of the night, so that's how that's how I roll, man. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so so before we move off of there, Kelly, do you want to verify this whole story that he's making up right now, or you want to agree with him, or? <laughs> it's a pretty wild story. No, um, he uh, he he's actually pretty accurate. I would I would say. Um, at, on my end of things, uh, I did not want to go to the gym that night at all. But my son was pretty much the same as Gary's son. He was just bouncing off the walls, just wanted to go do something. So he was going to go into the gym and shoot hoops with a friend of his. So when I got out of the weight room, uh, I didn't see him anywhere. Usually he would be, you know, somewhere in sight. And the community center in Sturgis isn't really that big. So I was getting a little bit worried when I couldn't find him and his friend. So my last ditch effort was to check down that hallway where the racquetball courts were. So I don't know how it actually, how we struck up the conversation, something about, well, you ought to, you ought to try being 45. And I think it was 39. Was it 39? It was 39, yeah. Let's not push this old age thing any more than we have to, okay? Yeah. 30, 30 right. something. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> Fine. Anyway, we were talking about being being the age that we were and being pooped and not wanting to work out and not wanting to play racquetball. Mm. And, and uh, Gary chirped up and he said, that's how old I am. You want to go have coffee? And wow. I was like, well, all right, cool. My son said, uh, Mom, you should get his phone number. <laughs> wow, so so your son's your wingman? <laughs> Apparently. Usually wow. see see my son used to throw Legos at my date. But <laughs> this one he wanted me to get the phone number. So that ought to tell you something. <laughs> if the kid gives you the send off, gives you the approval, you might as well go for it. So yeah, I love this. Yeah. So you, you both fell in love with motorcycles. And you fell in love with each other, and then you fell in love with flat track. Sounds like a sounds like we should write a movie or a book or something. That's just what I was gonna say. It sounds like footage for a movie to me. You know, yeah, I think so. it could be. Right. So let, let's transition. So how how did you guys get more and more involved in flat track? Well, I was always involved in it, you know, because uh, like I was saying earlier, because my uncle Steve and and Dwayne and my dad, you know, was friends with all of those with those guys, and then. Uh, he ended up joining the, the Jack Pine Gypsies here in town, the local motorcycle club. And, and so they, um, you know, were always working at the track and doing stuff at the track. And me being, you know, a little kid, you know, of course, I got drugged around all over the place. And I loved it going to the racetrack. You know, I always liked watching my uncle race and, you know, got to know a bunch of the other racers down there. And it was always just a lot of fun being involved with the club and doing stuff and, and being at the track. And I would always go to the races and and one of my jobs my favorite jobs is favorite memories is uh working the exit gate there at the at the jack pine gypsy short track you know so i had one of the best seats in the house rather than the flagman on the inside you know so it was always a lot of fun and and uh and then i uh kind of trans as i grew older kind of got away from it a little bit you know got a little more independent and and uh, that sort of stuff, doing doing my own thing, and moved away, came back, and as soon as I had kids, then, you know, it was one of the first things I did, not one of the first things, but, uh, you know, started talking to my oldest one about uh, racing motorcycles, and I drug home a PW50, and got him on the track, and, you know, the rest is kind of history there, you know, he, he uh, got going, wasn't anywhere near fast enough to have a hot shoe, but, you know, I worked in a welding shop, so it's like, he needs to have a hot shoe, so... Uh, we ended up building one and 
and uh, wound up uh, kind of realizing or, you know, kind of found myself being a single parent, and they were going, both of them were going faster, and then they really did, did need one. So uh, just kind of worked into building them, building them for, the, for the kids and then got to thinking, hey, maybe we should really do something with this. And one thing led to another, and here we are doing it for a living, actually. Kelly and I are both doing it for a living, so that's our only jobs. That's incredible. So how did, how did you actually decide that you just want to jump in with both feet and start building, you know, steel shoes and, and start like shoe? Was it, you know, you said that the kids needed one and then did people start asking for them? Was there a demand for them? I mean, when I was growing up and racing, there was Ken Maley and that was pretty much Mm -hmm. it. So Mm -hmm. nowadays there's not very many steel shoe makers out there. So did you just see that there was a niche for you and, and that's how it got going? Well, just kind of uh, overzealous. I could blame it on being overzealous on just about everything that I thought I felt was cool, and that was that was pretty cool. You know, um, when when the boys would get done at, at the end of the night racing, you know, they would pull their steel shoes off and they'd be running around the pit area because their left leg is all of a sudden feel, felt like they were, you know, it was full of helium or something like that. You know, it was lighter than air, and they were running around kicking their foot around because it was felt so cool as soon as they got that heavy hot shoe off the bottom of it and. And uh, kind of all about the same time, I ended up switching jobs and and uh, got to working. I was working with a guy who uh, said he used to be a, a racer back in the day, and and we kind of always talked and stuff like that, and kind of came up with the idea about building a real lightweight hot shoe, and uh, we we did that. And then it's like the next thought, and you know, in that kind of a person's mind is, I've really got something here. You know, I can I can do this because all the hot shoes are heavy and weight equals horsepower and you know and you know uh, rider fatigue and you know all kinds of stuff so if i can make a high performance lightweight hot shoe you know i might really have something here so i just tenaciously that's the word kelly said uh, that i use or that she used for me i mean and uh, just kind of tenaciously followed that idea and uh, once again here we are you know just never gave up and here we are so is it just you and Kelly, and that's light shoe, just you two? Yep, yep. That's just uh, mm-hmm. she. Uh, she does. Uh, she does. She's you know, without her, it wouldn't be where it's at now. That's for sure. Especially the road trips. You know, when we go to the racetrack. You know, because she's outside under the tent. She's lining out work. She's talking with customers, and she runs block. Actually, really, you know, because I'm in the back <laughs> of the bus, and and people, you know, people want to talk to me, and they come up the ramp, but it's not a it's it's not a spectator sport at all because you know you know I can't talk and work at the same time because sparks are flying and that sort of thing. So she kind of takes care of people, kind of heads them off the pass, and finds out what they need and answers any question because she knows just as much about it as I do and stuff. So uh, you know, it's it's really important to have her here. And then here at home, you know, she's doing basically the same thing. You know the the phone is here and she does the billing and you know and she does the book work and you know she just does all that stuff and i like i've always said i get the fun part where i get to go build the hot shoes and you know talk to the customers once in a while and and uh kind of like that work so you know she's she's super important part of it yeah that sounds awesome so kelly you know logistics are usually the toughest part of any business how do you manage all that for your customers and how do you stay on top of you know who needs what and you put them all in order of priority or you know how does how does all that work out um i you know that's one of the first questions that i ask when somebody calls or you know walks up to the bus or whatever that situation is um is you know how soon do you need it and uh we've got a work order that we pretty much go by so that we don't miss any information that we're going to need 
Um, so I'll just kind of go through things with them. Usually they'll, um, you know, give me a, not really a hard date, but say, well, I need it by the end of the month or, you know, I got a race coming up in three weeks or, you know, something like that. So I can, I can put a date on that work order. And then as work comes in, um, you know, we just basically prioritize based on who has the shortest deadline. Um, and we usually are really good at being able to wiggle things in if something is an emergency and comes in late, but needs to be done right away. So it's, I mean, it, it's sometimes it's challenging. The busy season is challenging for me um, because sometimes the phone just rings nonstop. It'll do that for eight hours a day in February or March, you know, and that's kind of all you get done. But, uh, you know, that's that's the nature of, of flat track and when people are needing to have their orders done. So, so we just kind of juggle it all, and it seems to all fall in place. Yeah, so Kelly, my hat's off to you for being able to keep all that stuff in order, and then you got to keep Gary in line on top of that, so my hat's off to you for sure. <laughs> That's the tough part, Scotty. <laughs> the busy, right. So you mentioned the, the busy season, and you mentioned February. So is the busiest season, like right before we kick off down in Daytona, is that your busiest season? I think so, um, but it's it's also compounded by the fact that we run a sale normally um, at the end of the year. And um, we haven't really talked yet about what that sale will be and when it will start. Um, but in the past, it's been a November, December type sale. And so that will drive a lot of phone calls and a lot of new orders, too, um, especially for families if they're doing Christmas presents and things like that. It starts to get busy probably Oh, I don't know, middle of November, mm-hmm. and then it just gradually ramps up until January. Sometimes you have a little lull, but then February hits, and you're just like, "Whoa, yeah. hang on!" Right on. So, so Gary, let's think back. Do you remember who your first paying customer was? You know, I, I looked that up, and uh, because you know, we we put a serial number inside each each hot shoe, and I went back to LS zero 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 one, and it was Rob Pearson, Bugs, Bugs, and uh, I uh, sponsored him, but uh, I, I didn't really. And Vince Holt was right up there with the number one, two. It was between one of those two guys that uh, I built the first steel hot shoe for. But as far as the the paying customer, I didn't really look the paying customer up. But uh, I spent a bunch of time in the book this morning. Actually, we got three books that are full of customers from the, from the very beginning. And uh, it was really interesting, you know, it was kind of like reading a phone book almost for probably most everybody it would really be super boring. But I was going through there and it's like, talk about reminiscing. It's like, oh, man, yeah, I remember talking to him and I remember I remember this gal and she's talking about her husband and blah, 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 you know. And this is like I, I sat there for about an hour and a half this morning and looking through the book, looking at num- names and people that we sponsored. And, you know, it was just uh, kind of a neat look back. Yeah, so do you have a lot of repeat business? I know in my case, I started as an adult, so my foot never grew. So I just had one Ken Maley shoe, and and I had it resurfaced a few times. But you you know, you start at the amateur level, you know, little bitty guys all the way, you know, and girls all the way up to, you know, to adults. So do you have repeat customers, or is it mostly, you know, just touching up and fixing and and uh, resurfacing their shoes again? You know, it's it's kind of both plus new customers. You know, and that's. 
you know, we uh, we have some people that we've we've built hot shoes for for a, a lot of years. You know, as they maybe they maybe they were younger, like at the amateur level when they uh, first started uh, racing and, and needing a hot shoe, and and they've just stayed with us and and trusted us, and we built their hot shoes through over, over the years. And then and then obviously, you know, we get we get hot shoes back from um, our hot shoes back to be rebuilt, and and other manufacturers' hot shoes to be rebuilt. We even get Ken Maley shoes every once in a while. People still use them. People still swear up and down that's the hot shoe, the only hot shoe to have. And then one of the things that we are noticing, I think, in the last couple years is the upswing in, in new customers that we've never heard of before. And uh, it's like, well, you know, I'm, and, we, and we hear this story all the time. It's like, well, we've, we've, uh, I'm, a, I'm a motocrosser or I'm a speedway racer or I used to be a road racer or whatever, and I just – I've heard about flat track, and I borrowed my buddy's bike and, and uh, his hot shoe, and I, I got to do it. I'm just going to do it. And it's like, so there's been an upswing of that. And then one of the coolest things ever is we'll get about three or four phone calls a year. Every year, they're 60, 70 years old, sometimes 80 years old, and they're getting a brand-new hot shoe and maybe a new pair of boots, or they're send, they send us out an old Walmart work boot or a Red Wing work boot, you know, and, and we'll build them a hot shoe. and. And those are the coolest guys because, you know, you just will expect on marking off the next half hour, 45 minutes of your life, you know, and listen to them talk. But, man, it's, it's so cool to listen to these guys. I mean, the energy is still there and the enthusiasm is still there. And you can just see a twinkle in their eye when they're talking, you know, and you can imagine it. And just, just, just hear them tell the stories and stuff. It's, it's, a, it's really cool. That's really a lot of fun. That is a good part of the, the industry that you're in, the business that you're in, is getting to hear some of the old stories from back in the day and, and watching these guys. You know, They still think they can go just as fast as they did, and they, they still go out there and have some fun, and that's what it's all about. So, so Kelly, when a, when a customer calls, do you have a specific set of questions you ask, like what kind of riding you're going to do? Or you know, what's, what's your main focus when you talk to a new customer on the phone? Yeah, that's, that's a good point of, of asking them, you know, things like what type of tracks do you ride? I, a lot of times I'll ask them, you know, first of all, where are they from? Um, because some areas are notorious for wearing through hard, through hard facing really, really fast, like up in the Northeast and, and places like that. But uh, I'll ask them what kind of boots they have. That's a great place to start. Um, and, I always try to ask them if they're going to be doing short track main, mainly or if they want to, you know, if they're doing half miles. A lot of the customers that we get that are new um, seems like here the last year or so they're just getting into it, jumping on the jumping on the wagon, you know, and just thinking they want to try this out. And so they have really no idea what they're going to be doing. Um but I always try to kind of zero in on, okay, so it, where you're from, are there, are there short tracks close by? Are there half miles? Have you ever done this before? Do you, have you ever broken your leg while you were racing? Um, you know, what kind of boots do you have? Um, or are you looking to buy boots? Just things like that, that kind of help me to get a, a barometer for where they're at and, and what they need me to provide and, and and furthermore you know what i need to tell gary so that he can build a hot shoe that's going to work for them so so it's there's a lot of questions and a, a lot of times i just sit there and listen to them um because they've got you know they, they've got certain things they want to make sure that i know 
it's great to get to know people. Yeah, uh, it, you know, a lot of times we ask them, you know, they'll ask us, we, you know, I don't know what I'm doing here, you know, what kind of boot do you suggest? Mm-hmm. And so we'll, we'll, we'll kind of find out what their background has been, you know, what kind of motorcycle disciplines have you been uh, done in the past? So what kind of boots have you always used? What are you comfortable with? You know, like Kelly was saying, have you ever broken a bone? Are you looking for, you know, extra ankle protection or knee protection? You know, kind of what, you know, we just we just ask, a, get a conversation started and just kind of have a few key questions that we ask and let the conversation go where it goes so we can learn about the customer and kind of help them. You know, we don't tell them, this is the boot you got to have because this is going to make you, this is going to do it for you. You know, we kind of let them decide because, one, I don't want that responsibility, but two, I want them to decide, you know, and, and kind of be educated. And Kelly, too, she does the exact same thing, just kind of educate them on what's out there for boots, what boot offers, what kind of qualities and that sort of thing, so they can make a good educated mm-hmm. guest themselves. And then we can build a hot shoe for anything. You know, we haven't had anybody want hot shoes for tennis shoes or high heels yet, but uh, or cowboy boots, <laughs> but, you know, we could do it if they wanted to, but we kind of would, would steer them away from that. You know, it's kind of kind of some of our questions that we talk to them about and everything like that, kind of help them make a good, wise decision on the right kind of boot that we feel they will like. But you also will sell a boot and shoe combo if they would rather do that, and then you already have the boot, or a customer can actually mm-hmm. send their boot directly to you, right? So you have two options. Yeah, you got two options. We got a, we got a bunch of boots in stock that um, they're all for sale. We have a size run of uh, Alpine Star Tech 7s from size 8 through size 12 that we actually use. They are for sale, but we use those boots in particular to build you a hot shoe. You have a Tech 7 size 9, and you call us up and say, hey, this is what I've got. You know, Do I need to send you my boots? Like, no, we got that boot right here. When do you need it? Well, I need it tomorrow, really. It's like, okay, well, I'll just leave. I'll just bust out of here and go up there and, and build it. We can still got time to get it in the mail, and we'll next day or to you, and you can have it tomorrow. And that's actually happened with Johnny Lewis one time. He he needed some boots, and it's like, hey, we got that boot here. He said, what color is it? And it's white. It's perfect. That's exactly what I want. So uh, we can do that with boots that we got. We got um, we're TCX dealers, and uh, we're really close with Tex. The Sales and he's marketing. the head of North American yeah. sales and marketing. Yeah, and, um, you know, he's, he's helped us out a lot, and we've got a bunch of TCX um, motocross boots and road race boots in stock that, you know, a customer can call up and say, this is what size I want, and we can build them a hot shoe and, and send out the, the box with the boots in it, and they get a complete package. Or they can order one in that we don't have in stock. You know, they can, we've got to – we get all of our boots through the motorcycle dealer here in, in town, Sturgis Motorsports, and – and uh, just order the boots in, and when the, when the boots show up, we go get it, build the hot shoe, and throw it back in the box and mail them their pair of brand-new boots with a hot shoe on it, ready to go, and strap if they need a strap and a couple stickers to stick all over their van and toolbox and stuff. Absolutely. So so in a perfect scenario, how long, if, if you could just work on one shoe, Gary, just at one time, how long does it take you to build one steel shoe? You know, there, there are a couple variables, Daniel, I'll help answer that question. Obviously, it takes, uh, you know, how big it is and uh, what, what boot it is. You know, if it's something that I'm, you know, I'm really familiar with, like so that, let's say the, the Tech 7 size 11, for example, I can take that boot and uh, I can go up there and just stay on that one. And uh, depends on how many coffees I've had that day and <laughs> what kind of mood Kelly was in when I left. 
but I could crank <laughs> one out in an hour and a half. But usually, usually what we do for our scheduling is um, we figure two hours. You know, especially like we're, when we're out on the road, you know, uh, it it gets it gets really really crazy sometimes when when we're at a racetrack. People people learn that we're there, and it's like we can get bombarded, and it's really easy to say yes. It's really hard for me to say no. It's like, hey, can you get this done before the next race? It's like, uh, yeah, I think I can. You know, and then I get back in the bus and realize that I'm I'm overwhelmed and there's no way possible. So she she keeps track of the scheduling and and uh, there's only a certain amount that we can do. And th- like I say, you know, we figure two hours um, here, both here at home and out on the road, really, just so we can kind of have a really good idea. We have a little bit of fudge time there to, you know, make sure if it, if it takes a little bit longer or whatever, but. Uh, that way we can get everything done. So probably going to take a little bit longer for you to do that size 16 boot that yeah. you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would yeah. say so. We were at this uh, AMA, the last round of the AMA Super Motor Races here in Sturgis this last weekend down on Main Street, which is a super cool event. Uh, but this guy comes up wanting a size 16. It's like, are you kidding me? And he says, yeah, the only I can only find the Tech 7s in size 16. And I said, well, I'll do some looking around and see what I can find. So I spent a bunch of time on uh, Google looking for boots and everything. And it's like, yeah, he's right. You know, this, uh, the Tech 7 is about it. And I saw his boots, and it's like, man, you can have a family dinner on the bottom of that boot. <laughs> <laughs> Make a pizza or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I'm going to so- stop and take a break before I'm done with this one. So you mentioned that everybody finds out that you're at the races. Well, that's I'll, I'll take part responsibility because whenever I see that uh, prison bus pull in, I know you're there. <laughs> and that's going to be the other part is nobody can miss you because you're in a dark blue prison bus. And I've tried correcting myself and saying it's a school bus or, or a transportation <laughs> vehicle. And you, you're pretty adamant about being called the prison bus. So everybody knows when you're there, that's for sure. That, uh, that, that is a, that's another funny story. I got, we got a million of them, you know, but Steve Nace is a super good friend of ours. And, uh, he started teasing me about that. He was, he actually give him a lot of credit because he really encouraged us to go to Daytona and, uh, he would come up, you know, when we started going to amateur nationals and he invited us there to go to that, you know, and made sure that was all okay to, and worked for us and did a lot of footwork to, to get us in the gate and stuff like that. But he started telling me about, you should do this with the bus. You should do, what is, is that a prison bus? He said, what do you haul prisoners in there? You know, he was just joking around with that. And so that's how the name got that. It was never, it always was a school bus. It never was a prison bus, but yeah, he's the one that named it the prison bus just because it was dark blue and it wouldn't be something cool like a you know a navy or a marines bus or an army bus or something like that. It's a prison bus, bus but yeah. I guess uh-huh. it's kind of like a fitting it. name, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, they definitely know you're there when you get there. So um, I gotta I gotta say thanks to you for for the I've got a miniature steel shoe and it's numbered <laughs> inside. It's got my name in it and it's got my number forty three on the on the toe. But mm-hmm. we actually we actually spoke and before I went and did the first X Games, you know. X Games was new, you know, for flat track being in X Games in 2015, and and you you got a hold of me quickly when you found out I was announcing, and I took a little bitty shoe and a little boot, and they actually had that on ESPN, and then we had a full size one in the announcer booth, and we got to explain what a steel shoe was. Thanks for my little bitty steel shoe because it's in my trophy collection. It's I've got a bunch of helmets from uh, former riders and some current riders and stuff like that, and and that steel shoe sits right in there, and it it uh, it's displayed proudly in my house. 
I'm glad to hear that. You know, that was my idea behind making it for you, and I was hoping to surprise you. And I, I was hoping that it would be a, a nice uh, memento for you. I built, I built that, that the big one that uh, you had to, to display on ESPN and talk about was I, I actually built that off more size 11 Tech 7 and sent you the boot and everything, you know. And uh, I dedicated that one to myself, the big one. And okay. I told Kelly, I said, I'm just going to hang this on the wall, you know, because we were on ESPN, you know, and they were talking about it. It's like, that's so freaking cool. It's just amazing, you know. And uh, <laughs> we were down at uh, we were at a racetrack one time, and, and, a, and a guy needed a, a hot shoe bad he needed it right away and it was for a tech seven size 11 and i said well i've got one i can send it out to you but you got to really take care of it and i explained it to him and explained to him exactly the whole story like what we're talking about and he said, yeah i'll take care of it you know and and i i wound up it was we we couldn't get his built for some reason i think it was because we were out on the road when the races were over we had our bus all packed up and all the shop was in the back of the bus and it was going to be well before we got back home so he used it. So I got back home. I built his hot shoe. I sent it out to him. It's like, okay, so you can send my shoe back now. And he said, he, he said this. He goes, well, I'm just going to use it for a little bit longer and kind of save mine a little bit. I was like, what? Are you serious? And that <laughs> thing came back destroyed. My momentum uh, was, was actually destroyed. <laughs> so man. I'm going to, I guess I know the guy who builds them, so I'll have to build me another one and hang it on the I wall. Guess, nobody will, guess, nobody will know any different. <laughs> Well, well, mine's never ever going to be destroyed, and I dust it and I keep it nice and shiny in, in my in my helmet case. So I appreciate it. Yeah. So, so I got. So and I, 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 I screwed yours up. I spelled your name wrong, and I did all kinds yeah. of things wrong. So I got your other one. I got the original, the original <laughs> one, at home. You know, next to the trash can, but I haven't thrown it in there yet. And I built, well, I built you the right one and sent it back out to you. <laughs> well, you can use that one as your trophy then. So that yeah. there you go. Now yeah, you got a trophy. Yeah. I've got kind of a random question for you. So it doesn't happen too often, but every so often somebody's steel shoe will come off and it'll be dangling behind their boot. What thought goes through your mind? I mean, what, what are you thinking right there? I see that's going to hurt because I've had it happen to me a couple of times and, you know, they're dangling back there, but they beat up your leg and they can get caught in the rear wheel and stuff like that. So yeah. what, what's the first thing you think about when that happens? Man, I think of a lot of things all at the exact same time. So they're all first thoughts for me. I've always been scared of being the reason that somebody doesn't win a race, and that's one of the first things that goes through my mind is that, man, I don't want to cost this guy a race, you know, because his shoe fell off. But then I also think there again at the same time, it's like there's nothing I can do about how he put that shoe on. I have no control over that, you know. I, I can't make sure that his strap is tight, that I can't make sure that the shoe went on the boot correctly and that sort of thing, and and, you know, and I think about all the people seeing a light shoe hanging off the back of somebody's boot and thinking that it's, you know, hoping that it's somebody else's, not mine. <laughs> and so I had a number of things, number of things go through my mind, including, you know, thinking about, like, what you just said, you know, that thing, you know, could fall under these back tire. I don't know if it could run through the rear chain ring or, you know, just a number of different things. And none of them are good, you know, other than, you know, I'm hoping that this guy doesn't, you know, lose the race or that he doesn't get hurt are the main things. But what's the main reason that it comes off? Because I've, I've, mine came off. My steel shoe strap is still taped to my boot. Is it just maybe like how rough the track is and it kind of just pops off the toe? Or, you know, it, can you explain how they come off? Because I, I, it's a mystery to me. Yeah, you know, it, it can be a number of different things. I was talking with a guy 
and uh, he said, you know, it, it came off on the track. It was a really tacky track. It, you know, it, it, one of the things it could be is it depends on kind of the boot, you know. If you have a real stiff motocross boot and it comes off, then you're just going to have to send it to us so we can look. I can't tell you what the problem was, and there's a lot of times we'll get it back where there'll be a huge dent in the bottom of it, and you call them up and say, did you hit a rock or something like that? Oh, yeah, two races ago I hit a great big rock. I mean, about threw me off the bike, and it's like, well, it dented your hot shoe, man, and it doesn't fit your boot at all. Did you realize that, you know? And um, so, like, if you have, a like, a, a road race boot, everybody needs to take a little bit more care when they're using a road race boot with a hot shoe. And I just started, I just got to the point where it's like you just need to blow a couple holes in there and screw it into the heel because they're so soft and so flexible. Same with the trials boots is that it's, it's actually, you can actually pull the toe of the boot out of the toe of the hot shoe if you get into a situation a high stress situation where you you know you start tucking the front and you put a lot of weight on your shoe or you hit a you know you hit a bump or something like that at the right time or maybe you catch a tire on the inside of the track or something there's just so many things that could happen you know i i, I tell people it, you know it's amazing the environment that those hot shoes actually survive in because of uh, you know the roost and and the impact and the heat you know that's why they call them hot shoes and you know, just getting run over and things like that, you know. So there's a, there's a lot of things that can happen when a, you know, when a hot shoe comes off. There's a lot of things that can cause it to come off. Okay, good stuff right there. So, Kelly, I'll ask you this question. How many races do you guys go to a year? Well, um, this year we will, by the end of October, we will have done six different events, so six trips. Um, and I guess I'm just counting say Daytona and Volusia Speedway and Oglethorpe as, as all one kind of event. So um, that's what we did this year. We'll have done this year. Um, we went to Sioux Valley cycle club in Sioux Falls. That was awesome. We had never been there before. It's a great track, um, great facility and a great club. I mean, they really knew what they were doing. It was pretty impressive. So we had, had a great time there in July. Um, we did a new event in New Richmond, Wisconsin at the Cedar Lake Arena in April. And that was fantastic. Uh, it just, it was well run. The facility is amazing. Um, it was, it was a club race, a dual district club race. And, uh, we'll do that one again i'm sure we've we've talked about it anyway um and in fact gary's going to be going there in october for their i think it's their season closer probably it's rumble on the river there at cedar lake um so there's that one um of course we did the the sturgis rally races at the chip and uh some of the club races at the jack pine gypsies as well um and then uh the half mile in rapid city Oh, and we also went to the I-70 Flat Track Series in Kansas. That was uh, right after the rally races that we attended. So we loaded up the bus and headed down there to Paul Covert's event uh, in Kansas. That's always a, a fun event to attend. The weather didn't didn't turn out really great this year. There were supposed to be four races, and we ended up being able to attend two of those, and the other two basically got rained out. But nonetheless, great event. and. Uh, one that we are hoping that we can do every year from now on. 
and let's see, what am I missing? Amateur Nationals. How could I forget that? That's yeah. one of the funnest ones with all the kids. Uh, I just I love hanging out with those kids. They're so energetic and so awesome. It's cool to see the amateurs, you know, coming up through the ranks, and they're they're just there to have fun. You know, usually they get to, you know, it's a week for them away from home and and having fun. You know, with people that have the same interests as them. You know, they they tend to stay out of trouble, and but they just all tend to have a good time. So, um, do you plan on going to amateur nationals every year? We've oh, been yeah. going to amateur nationals. I've been going to amateur nationals since two thousand and six. And so this is the 12th year in a row that I've been to amateur nationals. And uh, <clears throat> Kelly's been, Kelly, you've been going, what, seven years, I think. And uh, we've, so, yeah. We, yeah, we've had the bus. We've had the bus for seven years, and that was the, that was the first trip we went on it. And uh, so, yeah, I, uh, I, I for sure want to go eight more years. That way I can say I've gone to, I've, I've been to going to the races for 20 years. I think that would be kind of a <laughs> milestone. You know, for me, I hope I can. I hope I can do it. You know, it's a it's a lot, man. It really is a lot to load and unload the bus, and you know, and then once you get there, it's uh, a lot of times it's like, you know, I, I'm not a morning person. I'm finding out now that I don't have to be. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you know, when I finally get to work around nine or ten o'clock, you know, you know, you, once the, once the door opens or people start banging on the door, you know, it's just it's just like. You're just you're just going 90 miles an hour till sometimes midnight, you know. I've uh, I've worked well into the night before, and there's we're the last man standing a lot of different times at the racetrack trying to get stuff done for people so they can pick it up the next day. So it do, it is a lot of work, but uh, it's like I was saying earlier, it's really hard to say no when people come up and their shoe is broke or their motorcycle is broken half or something's busted or they need a hot shoe and you know it's. Uh, that's what we go to them for, and uh, we get so busy. I don't even get to watch any races. I've probably watched maybe three races this year, and, and all the races that we've actually gone yeah. to, I've actually really got to see three of them, three or four of them. When, when we're out on the road, I feel like I feel like Gary maybe gets the short end of the stick sometimes because <laughs> I get to be out front and chat with all these awesome people. Because flat track people are just cool. Let's just face it. I there's. Yeah. I, I could count on a couple fingers, not even just one hand, but a couple fingers, um, people that have been rude. And when you consider all the all the times that we've gone out on the road and all the trips we've taken, that's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but but he's kind of stuck back there in the bus, just just slaving away. Well, he does have air conditioning now, Scotty. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it's not as bad good. as it used to be. <laughs> I'll come out of the back of the bus and hang out with Kelly till I get hot, until I start breaking a sweat, and then I get, it's like I got a big, I got to get back to work. Sorry, baby. I'll I got to you later. Yeah, you'll, you'll find something to do, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so your well, your welding talents are they go further than just you know making steel shoes. I, I've heard of a couple different instances where you've actually welded some frames back together. Um, what's some of the craziest things that you had to fix at the racetrack besides a steel shoe? The craziest thing I think I've ever fixed was. Uh, Actually, Charlotte Keynes brought this up to me down at Amateur Nationals one year. They had a they had a golf cart down there that they were bombing around in the pit area with, and they actually broke a spindle, front spindle, <laughs> on the golf cart, and they brought this spindle to me in pieces. And I looked at it, and it was cast iron, and I just happened to have brought some brass with me that year, and it's like, yeah, I can fix that. So you know, I uh, I did a lot of preheating, and I did a lot of welding, and I got their spindle put back together for them, and it worked, you know, and they put it back on, and. I've welded uh, spring shackles. Uh, we were again, once again, we were at Amateur Nationals one year, and this guy says, 
my spring shackle is busted off my trailer. He says, I can't even bring it over here. He says, I'm, I'm going to have to find a welder unless you can come over and do it. So that's uh, that was before we had the bus. So um, that's I, I was working out of the underneath of a 10 by 10 canopy and, at, at that time. So my boys were with me, and uh, we loaded everything in the back of the pickup and, and uh, drove over to the campground there at DeCoin and backed up to his trailer, and I had some extra steel, and I laid underneath the the his uh, camper, his, his toy hauler, and rebuilt his spring shackles for him and braced him up and, and uh, strengthened him up. So we get to do we get to do some fun stuff sometimes. I've worked on leathers, and gosh, I don't know, Kelly, what are some things you can think of that we've, we've been asked to, to weld up and fix and stuff? Oh, uh, you know, the crazy thing this year at, uh, at Volusia, remember uh, that guy pulled up in a little compact car with a street – street bobber gas tank in in the back (laughs) he he opens up the hatchback and pulls out this gas tank and he goes can you weld this and i said boy (laughs) i don't know wow yeah the 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 craziest thing though that i've ever seen was we were at a racetrack and this guy comes up with uh with some handlebars and these handlebars were in two pieces they broke okay and he says, can you weld these? And it's like, well, yeah, I could, but I'm not going to. I'm, I'm not right. even going to touch that one. I said, do you weld? Yeah, I weld. And I said, if you want to weld these handlebars together, you can use my welder, but I'm not going to touch that one with a 10-foot pole. No <laughs> so way. Yeah, no he, way. He welded his handlebars up and went out there Man. and raced. It's like, dude, I, you're crazy. I would have found some other handlebars somewhere, somehow. I would not not have done that either. So you mentioned at the very start, like, you know, steel shoe number 0001 was mm-hmm. possibly Bugs Pearson. So what number are you working on right now? I'm telling you what, I'm really, really proud about this because uh, we just we just surpassed 3,000 here like three or four days ago. Wow. That's, That's 3, incredible. 000. Yeah, it's amazing. And I'm going to build number 3,000 for me, and I'm not going to loan it out this time. (laughs) So that one's going to be yours, right? That one's going to be mine. I'm going to keep it. That is awesome. Unless unless somebody needs a hot shoe, I guess, then I'll probably That's an awesome number. You know what? I'm going to brag on myself just a little bit. We just passed 20,000 listeners on SoundCloud. So uh, I'm I'm right there with you, Gary. I'm proud of you. And and, uh, I got to brag a little bit on on myself, too. So we're pretty excited. I was going to say, this is just such a neat aspect because, you know, this is exactly what our sport needs, you know, and for people to learn who's under the helmet. It's good to know that you're doing something right, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's good fun. It. It's fun for sure. I love it. So uh, now you guys both know my gram. You know, that's Kathy Dubler. She mm-hmm. wants to know what is your favorite step in the process of making steel shoes. Do you enjoy making them or seeing the riders use them? Oh, obviously, I like seeing them use them. You know, and use something that I created, and and uh, every one of them. Every hot shoe I build, it feels like it's a one-off creation and kind of a, you know, I, I, I work on every aspect of the hot shoe as best I can. I've never, ever said that I make the best hot shoe out there. I, I let the customers I, I, decide I that. I say that. I say that I for you. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate yep. that. I'm not going to go there because I, I don't feel like I make I can make the best hot shoe yet. I'm still in my in the middle of my learning curve. But every one of every hot shoe I build, I try and get the weld the best I can look at. You know, it can look, and I try and get the hard surfacing as best I can. And and when I weld the loop on, you know, I try and I, I look at that little weld. And it's like, man, that, that looks good, you know. And and I try and get it shaped as best I can, but. 
to actually see somebody take something that you pour yourself into and actually use it and you know when when they cross the line in first place or when they cross the line and they thank us on the podium or you know it's just that's all when it comes together and it's like yeah this is this is cool you know and you see you see the people up on the podium or see them get interviewed or you know talk to and it's like yeah we know that guy that's that's the cool part is knowing the people and hey they we build their hot shoes you know there's a lot of self-satisfaction right in that for me so what's your favorite step in the process of making a shoe these days it's um putting the hard surfacing on and in particular our second layer our second or what i've always called the sole patch which s-o-l-e is my, my own little deal there but putting the second layer of hard surfacing on because you know i i struggled with the hard surfacing for a, a, a lot you know in the in the beginning trying to get it as smooth as possible and look make it look as nice as as i can and one of the problems is, is, is our, our shoes are lighter, and one of the reasons is because we're using a little bit lighter steel. They, they do weigh a little bit less, and, you know, a lot of people have noticed the difference. But when you are melting hard surfacing on there, you know, you're, you're generating a ton of heat, you know, and when, it, when the hard surfacing cools, it can shrink, and then it deforms the hot shoe. And so it's, it's been a real struggle, and... and we've i feel like we've gotten it done because when i build the hot shoe and it fits the boot and i go to hard surface it and i'm done hard surfacing and it still fits the boot just like it did before you know it's it's quite a process to to get it right and not have any issues with it but putting that second layer of hard surfacing on i'm finally getting it to where i kind of like the way it looks so it's (laughs) it's been a long time coming you know you think by now i'd have it i'd just be the the best expert in the face of the planet but like i say you know i'm always just trying to make things better and i I don't know if i'll ever get there but uh, that's one of my favorite favorite things right now is uh, doing the hard surfacing it's kind of bounced around over the years i like doing this best and like doing that best but but right now uh, today it's uh, doing the hard surfacing i love it so it's time for our rapid fire questions first thing that pops in your mind Yep, here we go. So, uh, Gary, you're first. What is your favorite motorcycle you've ever ridden? Yamaha. Which one? My FJ12. Okay. Kelly, what's your favorite motorcycle you've ever ridden? (laughs) The only one. My uh, Yamaha Roadstar Warrior. Gary, what's your favorite racetrack? Um, Oglethorpe. Okay. Kelly, what's your track? favorite track? He took my answer. You can have the same answer. That's all right. Another one now. <laughs> all right. So, Gary, you ready for this one? This one's a toughie. All right, give, a, give, a, give a shout out to the riders you're building steel, shoe for, steel shoes for right at this very moment. Who are you making steel shoes for right now? All right. Right now. I got it. I made a list. Okay. So, uh, we build hot shoes for Brad Baker, Jeffrey Carver, Sammy Halbert, Jake Johnson, Rob Pearson, Dawson Schieffer, the whole Durrell family. Jake Shoemaker, Joe and Cody Kopp, Brandon Price, Dan Bromley, Bronson Bauman, Tyler Scott, Jake Matea, Kevin Anderson, Jared Vandercoy, Ryan Villapoto, Colby Carlisle, Mike Metzger, uh, Mikey Virus, and Mark Adkins, the Rusty Butcher, and Tony Elias, and Ben Lau, Tyler Porter, Oliver Brindley, Jesse Janish, James Monaco, Jacob Lehman, Randy Blackwell, Paul Covert, Dredd, otherwise known as Eldred Bristol. We build hot shoes for Johnny Lewis and his Moto Anatomy School and the Noise Camp, Kenny Noise Overseas, and American Super Camp and Corner Spin and Rich Oliver's Mystery School. And let's not forget Texas Tornado Boot Camp, too, with Colin Edwards. <laughs> that's, that, that is, that's awesome. Oh, don't forget Chris Carr. That's a big list, man. You, you, you should be hey, very, very proud. Let me take a breath. I am proud. You know, these guys... <laughs> 
these guys are what do it for us. You know, they they help us out with feedback, and they're the ones that help us build a better shoe, and uh, you know, keep us on the front on the front line. And uh, now, the, hats off to these guys. You know, it's it's a pleasure working for all of them. They're all great people, and you know, they they're the ones that make it a lot of fun for us. All right. So this next question is going to be for Kelly because you know, Gary, you said you're in the back of the bus working all the time. So so <laughs> Kelly. Kelly, who is who is the next up and coming racer we should keep an eye on? Oh my goodness, boy, that's, that's a, a tough one. one. Well, I I always I always think of Tyler Scott mm-hmm. because he's such a little fast guy. Also in the the singles um, riders, uh, my favorite right now is Cole Zabala. He's a great kid and and I think he's got a lot of potential and really starting to come into his own. Hmm. Who else? I'm hmm. thinking uh, Tanner Dean. Okay. I actually think he's the. Uh, he didn't get put on our list, did he? No. Nope. No, but I think I think he sponsored him, didn't you? Yeah, I think so. You know, another one that I really like that I think is you know we really need to keep an eye on is. Let's see. Let me take a breath here. Bronson Baum and Dan Bromley, Brandon Price. I'll, I'll just go through the whole list again, but. You know, I I I've, I've been, I was thinking about this today. You know, the the most exciting thing that I can think of, the one the one racer that I want to build Hashu for, is Brad Baker. Man, I'm waiting for the moment when he calls me up and says I need another Hashu, and I'm just waiting for that one. Yeah, that'd be awesome, mm-hmm. man. I'm right yeah. there with you. I I'm hope waiting. that day happens. I hope that day happens soon. So, uh, yeah. Ke- Kelly, it's it's your turn for the next question. So, for people that aren't from South Dakota that are tourists. What's something in South Dakota that they should see besides Mount Rushmore? The Sanford Underground Research Facility. <laughs> Where in the heck is that and what is it? <laughs> it's it's a neutrino research lab. So so it started out as Home State Gold Mine, which was is one of the oldest gold mines in the United States. And when gold took a dive um, so ever so many years ago, they closed it down. And it started to fill up with water, um, at least a mile down there in the mine. And uh, I don't know who came up with the idea to turn this into a research facility, but it caught on and uh, they pumped all the water out of it and turned it into a world-class physics research center. It's actually in Leeds, South Dakota, and the... the, uh, lab itself is 5,280 feet underground. It's, it's a mile down in the dirt wow. ground. And uh, they're doing some amazing things about, you know, subatomic particles. Um, they're, they're learning about them and detecting them. And it's, it's pretty cool. You can't actually go down there, but you can, you can uh, do live video chats with the scientists that are down there. And um, every year they have a neutrino day which is, I think it's a great name for a, for an event, but uh, you can go there and they do tours and it's just, it's cutting edge science. It's cool. I don't, I don't know what she just got through saying, but they got really cool pictures hanging on the wall. I really like them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sounds like I better check it out. So, and we uh, got to ride on a bus and going yeah, in exactly. the voice room. It was awesome. Cool. <laughs> All right, Gary, what, uh, what's your favorite part about working in the sport of flat track? My favorite part of working in the sport of flat track would obviously, I think we've already touched on that, is, is working with the people and, uh, and helping them out. You know, I guess – 
I guess I would say really, really the most favorite thing is when we're at the track, we got the bus there, somebody comes up and they have an emergency and we can solve it for them and we get to keep them out on the track so they don't have to load up and go home. That's awesome. That is just great. I love that answer. So uh, how can how can listeners get in touch with you guys? A um, couple different ways. They can obviously call us at, at, on our, our phone, and we're starting to get to. I'm starting to get to the point where I let my uh, cell phone out now more because uh, I need to be able to be reached a little bit easier. But uh, we have a website. Uh, they can catch us on Facebook or any you know social media, Instagram. We can message on that. So there's a number of ways that they can get a hold of us. Do you have a schedule for the prison bus? Is that on the website too, so everybody knows when the bus is going to be out? You know, our website, when we get it up and running the way we need it to, uh, we'll have a schedule on there, and it will be updated. And, and you know, and we're on social media all the time. I just put up on social media uh, a post about the uh, new Richmond race there at the Cedar Lake Arena coming in October. It's really going to be a neat event. Kelly touched on it a little bit, but uh, Brian Barlow is going to be up there. They're going to be doing a school on Friday. Wow. Cool. The 12th, and then uh, the races are going to be the 13th and 14th. It's a huge indoor arena, so it's just fantastic. they got a, uh, like 600 hookups for campground there. It's just, you know, it's, it's one that you don't want to miss. But uh, uh, anyway, awesome. all that to say, you know, we, we put posts up on, on uh, Facebook and Instagram when we can to let people know when we're going to be there and where we're going. Cool. Well, I got you here. Uh, we're going to wrap things up, but do you guys want to say okay. thanks to anybody? Thanks to all the all the riders that wear light shoes. I mean, mm-hmm. that's why we're here. Um, if it wasn't for people wanting a hot shoe and and believing in our product, then uh, this this interview wouldn't be going on, and, and most likely we'd have other jobs and all that. So, so it's it's great um, to have wonderful customers like we have, and I just want to thank all of them, sponsored or not sponsored, either. Yeah, awesome. perfectly said. You know. When I first started uh, building hot shoes, people always told me, oh, you can do this for a living someday. It's like, you're crazy. What, what's it, what are you on anyway? <laughs> and, uh, you know, because like what Kelly just got through saying, sincerely, you know, all the people that we have that have used our, our return customers and our sponsored riders that help us out, you know, and all those people that have uh, been dedicated to us and loyal to us, you know, we're doing this for a living, you know, and we can provide a better service. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, – it's a dream that I didn't know that I had, you know, but uh, it's it's come true and it's just it's it's awesome. It's been a fantastic ride. So we hope we can do it for. We've actually been doing this for 20 years, Scotty. I don't know if you knew that or not, but we just passed our 20-year anniversary here earlier this year. That's and, incredible. Um, it is incredible, you know, to think that I'm that old and I refuse to believe that. But you know, we're going to do it. We're going to shoot for another 20 after this, so we don't plan cool. on going anywhere soon. Right on. Thank you both so much for your time. And I know you got some steel shoes to be working on. So thanks for your time. And we'll see you at the races soon. Thanks, Scotty. Thanks, Chris. Scotty. Thank you, Scotty. You guys, take care. You betcha. Gary and Kelly Kinsler with Light Shoe, the folks who make steel shoes for the racer's heart and soul. I could honestly talk to those two all day. Thrilled to call them friends and have them as part of the Flat Track family. I want to thank them for their time and as always thank you for listening smash that like button give us a follow and don't forget to call in and give us your thoughts i'm off to go party with some two old friends up in wisconsin talk to you next friday when we interview a guy who went from working on top of buildings to building one of the most dominant forces in flat track